Hello, and welcome to episode 196 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Carrie G., Monica W., and Madeline V. to the Modern Manager membership. There are multiple membership levels, each designed to provide you additional resources and support to help you elevate your management skills. You can learn more at themodernmanager.com slash join. Now, today's guest is Elise Bernhardt. Elise was CEO and executive director of nonprofit cultural organizations for over 30 years. She then reinvented herself as a floral designer and discovered her passion for flowers and for people and how they come together in leading team building through flower design workshops. Elise and I talk about the lessons she's learned from years of leading people in organizations of different sizes, as well as her unusual approach to team building, including those flowers, and what we can learn from that process. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Elise. This is really exciting because we've known each other for many, many years, but never actually gotten to talk about this work you're doing around team building and flowers, and I'm excited to just learn more about it. Well, thanks. I'm really excited to be talking to you because I've been following you for a very long time, and I love this new endeavor, or maybe not so new endeavor, that you are building. All right. Well, let's jump right in here, and why don't you just lay the groundwork by sharing a little bit about what you do and why you do it. So... At present, I am a floral designer, and my most favorite thing to do gives me great joy. That's probably because I bring great joy in teaching floral design workshops. Previously, I ran nonprofit organizations, one that I founded, one that I like to say I did a turnaround for, and one that... I ran for a while and then helped Sunset. And through all of those experiences, you know, starting as an entrepreneur with me and then another person and then maybe two, and then growing into an organization of a staff of 28, I've learned a lot about what teams need, what you need to do to help an incredibly wide range of people really bring their best to their jobs. You know, it sounds like you've really run the gamut of organizational life, yeah. <laughs> right? And and that, you know, the, those experience of getting to work with people at different phases of an organization's growth or maturity or evolution, I'm imagining gives you a lot of insight to kind of what's needed at different points in time for a team to to really feel good about working together. Absolutely. You know, when I when I started an organization called Dancing in the Streets, which came out of an idea to start putting dance in unusual public spaces. And uh, it's funny because I'm still in touch with my very first, quote unquote, employee. Wait, I did pay her. So she really was an employee who was also a dancer. And I've always said that dancers and musicians are like the most incredible people to work with because they're used to doing many things at one time. Because, you know, you're using your arms, your legs, you're in three dimensions, you're thinking about a lot of things at once. 
when I started, because I was just, how do you say, I was very self-motivated and I got things done and I expected everybody else to get things done. And my first experiences were working with people who just went go. One of my favorite stories from back then is I, uh, a woman who interned with me came on board. I guess she was 19. And uh, she came in the door and she said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, well, you know, we have this idea of doing a conference about dance and the environment. And I was thinking you could organize that. And she said, well, do you have like a framework for me? And I said, no, just, you know, go ahead and do your best and come ask me questions if you have them. It was a fabulous conference. Yes, we talked about things. She is now the executive director of a fabulous organization based on sustainability. She's run for city council. She did run my organization, actually, when I left to do something else. And we talk about that first experience of, you know, being thrown in the deep end of the pool and swimming. That's not always possible. And I learned that when I moved to another organization that was on the brink of disaster. The whole staff was, how do we say, moribund? Yeah, I guess that would be a good word. (laughs) And terrified and didn't know you know, what they were supposed to do next because they didn't know if there was a next. And uh, we got things going. We doubled and tripled the programming. We got money to rebuild the falling apart building. We got funders to start trusting the organization again. We got people coming in the door. Things were really good in the press. And at one point, my staff was in rebellion and they called (laughs) I can look back at this now and think this, I learned a lot from this. They brought in an organizational development consultant. And I remember we you know, sat with all the staff and they aired their uh, concerns and their upset. And at one point, I, you know, and you're asked not to talk, right? You're just there to listen. And I think I was quite shocked by a lot of it because I was going really fast and, you know, it was like, we need to get this done and we need to get this done. And I learned two things from him. One is you really need to thank people. Like, even if you thought you thanked them, you really need to thank them. They really need your appreciation for what they did get done. And the really important takeaway was everybody has a different style. He said, you're used to being direct. You're used to saying this needs to get done, go do it. And if you have trouble, come back to me. Not everybody works that way. Some people need a lot more structure. Some people need more handholding. Some people work quietly. They take longer. That doesn't mean they're not doing good work. It's just different from how you work. And your job as a manager is to understand their style, not for them to have to adapt to yours. That was a really big aha. And it took me a long time to kind of get that. Well, this is probably a good place to transition a little bit to this floral design work and teaching that you do with teams. Because one, I think there's a lot of lessons that you just talked about, about different style and and structures and things that I'm guessing play out in this work that we can learn from. And secondly, I know there are so many managers right now who are trying to figure out how to do team building effectively when 
we're still somewhat in the midst of COVID office stuff where people are not mm-hmm. always together. And more and more teams generally are becoming dispersed, geographically dislocated teams where even if you wanted to be together in person to go for an offsite, you can't. So let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing and, and what kind of happens in these workshops that you're leading and the, and the team dynamics there. So let's address the, the, you know, the current, what do they call that? The race to resign or how to staunch the flow. I think organizations and managers and CEOs are all in a position now where they really need to focus on how to bring their employees together and how to manage them in a way that they want to stay. So that said, one of the first workshops that I ever did, it was with a nonprofit. It was about 45 people. It was operations, finance, program, the maintenance staff. It was everybody. And I showed up with a whole bunch of flowers and uh, we did a little bit of what I call breathing and centering, because I think people are so used to being on their phone and on their laptop and their eyes are tired and their necks are tired. And in order to kind of come into a like a new space, a creative kind of atmosphere, I give them a, you know, a few minutes of grounding and breathing. And that helps transition everybody into a more common space. And then I share a couple of principles about design and about floral design. And I let them know where I'm coming from, which is, you know, kind of a dance background. And um, I was ve- I'm very influenced by my studies in Japan of floral design practice called Ikebana. And the most important part of the Japanese approach is floral design there is a spiritual practice. You're not just putting a bunch of flowers in a vase uh, for a dinner party. It's um, originally about welcoming someone into the shrine. And if you approach what you're doing as a way to welcome someone into your space, you're already kind of changing how you approach a creative process because people get nervous. You know, people think, oh, well, mine's not going to be as good as hers and no, 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 So I, I also like to tell people right off the bat that, A, this isn't a contest. B, I've only done my job if everybody's arrangements are different from each other's because everybody has different preferences. Um, you know, there's some people who like pink. There's some people who like white. There's some people who only like to do green. There's there's a lot of choices that you make. And my approach is bring what you like to what you're doing. The other thing I love to do is to encourage people to look at each other's work in, um, I learned this from choreography class uh, way, way back. Don't tell us what we should do. Tell us what you see. And that approach kind of opens things up in a way that it's not even constructive criticism, it's observation. And I use it as kind of a teaching tool. You know, I'll, I'll be walking around and somebody will ask me a question about such and such, and I'll hold up their design and say, let's look at this. Let's give some feedback to 
this, the, the person creating this, let them know what you're seeing. And maybe you can say what you're missing, but don't tell them what you would do because it's their project. So at the end, everybody had a very different design, which made me very happy. And we went around the room and people held up their arrangements and applauded each other. The comment that made me know that this was the thing for me to do was someone who said, I never knew that George had this incredible eye. I never knew that Sally had this creative ability. And it was like such an aha moment because I thought people don't see each other in this capacity and it opens a window to understanding your colleague in a very different way. And I should also say the flowers really do lower your blood pressure and most people know something about them. So it's not the same as, I don't know, painting or singing. It's, it's I think, less self-conscious. Well, you just said so many things that I want to I want to reflect back and kind of break down a little bit here. So the first actually start at the end where you just concluded, which is that sometimes team building activities can actually stress people out. Right. right. Like, OK, we're going to do this this game where everybody has to stand on the platform or it's a ropes course or we're going to go go bowling even. Right. And it, it becomes competitive. Right. And those kinds of activities can be super fun if that's what your team is into. Right. But as you're saying, like they can also totally get people like all tense and tight and nervous. Mm-hmm. I can't pull. <laughs> exactly. Right. Or, so this idea of, of using flowers is one, I think, just brilliant because they're beautiful. And who doesn't want to have fresh flowers right. to take home or to display in their home later? So it's something that, again, it's familiar, as you said, but not something that we expect to know how to do. And mm-hmm. There's no right answer, right? There's no top score. There's no like, you know, MVP for doing the best job. It's just, it's a, an activity that we all get to enjoy. And there's no like, you know, expectation of what is right. So I love that. Second, another thing I heard you say is this gives people a chance to bring themselves into the activity and learn about each other. And I think sometimes we miss opportunities when we think about team building, we think about fun, right? What can we do to just go out and have some fun together? And while that is super important and there should, I'm I'm always a fan of incorporating fun into our workplaces, sometimes that fun can get in the way of actually getting to know people, right? Mm -hmm. Like it can be a, we can watch a movie together, which actually I know somebody who had her entire team watch The Greatest Showman over Zoom all together because it's her favorite movie. <laughs> I, I highly recommend if you haven't seen The Greatest Showman, it's so phenomenal. But also, like that's not an opportunity to get to know each other. That's an opportunity to have some fun together, to sing along and all that jazz, but it's not a way to get to know each other. And so I love what you're saying about people getting to show off their work and talk to each other and see different aspects of each other in the work and in that process. So I love that. And then third is this thing, and you didn't actually mention this, but this ability to do this activity together or apart, right? So many activities Mm -hmm. just, you know, you just can't do them or you can't really do them well if you're not all co-located. And I'm imagining that this kind of activity could actually be really fun to do virtually 
where at the end you all, you know, you spotlight each person and how, give them a chance to show off their display and talk about it. And they can be really engaging even though people aren't physically present. Okay. And then the fourth thing was about observation, right? The way that we can communicate to people. I mean, that skill of being, being able to say, I've noticed X or what mm-hmm. I see is Y is such an important skill that I hear managers talk about all the time of like, how do I get my team members to give each other feedback, to talk to each other and not always come to me to try to solve a problem they're having with a colleague and to help people develop some of those skills to be able to look and say, this is what I'm seeing. Tell me about this as opposed to this is what I would do or you're doing this wrong. Just in practicing that, I'm imagining could trickle over into the conversations they're having back in the workplace. I'm hoping, I mean, first of all, let's talk about fun. I am happy to say that 99% of the people who have ever taken class have said, this is so much fun because it should be fun. There's joy in this. And I also feel like I'm teaching a life skill. I have heard that in Japan, kids learn to do flower arranging before they learn to read. And it does bring something into your space that makes you happy, that helps you relax. So all those things are, you know, for any individual, I think useful. But the real objective, I like to say, I feel like flowers are kind of like the stealth medium because the objective Mm -hmm. is to do all those things that you so beautifully and succinctly express. I can't wait to get a copy of this (laughs) because it is about bringing people together, you know, virtually or in person to experience something that, you know, it's about keeping their hands busy. You know, there's something about, you know, I think you're, you're a knitter. So, you know, there's something very calming about focusing on something that you're doing with your hands, both mentally and physically. And I think like when we're doing the virtual, I say, you guys don't need to look at the screen. You just need to put your camera somewhere where I can see what you're doing. There's a focus. And I always say, you don't need to know what to do. You need to look at your your materials. You need to look at your flowers. They'll tell you what to do. So sort of the process, I think, gives you a very away from work focus. And then I guess the part about observation, we are all so wired to be competitive. I was watching somebody's uh, Instagram reel and she talked about how school kind of generally pushes you to like get the A, do the best, blah, 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 blah. And so to remove that as a criteria for doing work is, is hard to do. And it's important to give people a chance to just be with uh, the thing they're doing. Yeah, being in flow. I think nobody gets to do that very often. And it's such a blessing. And then I think you're right about, you know, uh, the, the key to observation is to have a couple of frameworks about how to observe without putting yourself in the middle of it. Yeah. Can you share actually what a framework might look like or one of the frameworks that you use? Well, one of the things I always start with is that kind of uh, prompt to tell us what you see, not what you would do. And then I'll sort of add some filters like what are the, you know, in this case, what are the shapes you're seeing? How do the colors go together? 
what's the placement, where is their space. So I think it gives them a, you know, a smaller box. It comes from this idea in choreography that, you know, someone's on a stage or in a place and they're doing something. And I always give this example, you know, if you, as my teacher taught us, if you put somebody right in the middle of the room and they sit down there, what do you see? What does it make you feel like? And if you move them upstage to the left and they sit down, what happens to how you see them? You know, it's, it's, it, and we always say, oh, there's something going on there now. There's some drama. I also talk to them about like making a dance that there's a duet going on between the, the flowers and the vase. So the idea is you're making something that's living. So it sounds like they're like some of it is giving people some prompts to yes. help them shift how to talk about what it is that they're seeing and thinking about. And right. I, I'm not sure that this is relevant or not, but when I when my husband was in art school as a as a graduate student, I went and facilitated a session he had with his undergrad students that he mm. was um, teaching. And we mm-hmm. talked about looking at art from four perspectives. So maybe this will resonate with you as a, someone else in the arts, right? So the first was the very literal, like what is it that you are actually seeing? What's the mm-hmm. materials? What are the colors? What are the, the shapes and sizes? Like the things that we could just say are tangible right there. And then second, what is the symbolism of those things? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean? Like roses mean something in American culture that's different right. than what they might mean in a different culture. The color red or something that's tall and linear versus something that's wide and fat. Those those have symbolic meaning sometimes that we can tap into. And then the third is kind of historical or greater context. So this could be like when we're looking at art, like who made it and what time period was it made in? And you know, what else was happening in the world or, you know, in that geography where the artist was from. And I'm imagining also with flowers, it could be like, where are these flowers from in the world? Right? Have you intentionally or unintentionally combined flowers from South America and flowers from Africa? I don't know. Is there meaning in that? Like, could be really interesting to, to think about. And then also, where are you putting them? I mean, you know, context is really important that way. You know, are you putting them in the living room? Are you putting them on the side of your bed? Are you putting them on the table? Each of those situations gives you more information about how you need to place them, how you need to turn them, you know, all of that. Uh, I mean, that's sort of very specific to design, but I think it applies. You know, context, I've always said context is everything. Absolutely. Okay. And then the last one is emotionally. How does this make you feel? When Mm -hmm. you look at it, does it give you energy and make you excited? Or does it make you feel calm and relaxed? You know, what what's your emotional reaction? And I'm imagining again, like with flowers, you can have flowers that wow you and kind Mm -hmm. of I've definitely walked in places and seen huge bouquets that were like, whoa, that's amazing. Or flowers that are like very subtle and very sweet and just, you know, kind of make the space feel right right and calm. So those are just some additional ways, I guess, to think about how to see what you're observing and notice both physically but also in yourself. Yes, I think those are really, really good frameworks to look at like anything and everything. And I think that idea of developing your vocabulary so you can say more than that's beautiful or I really like that and 
be able to develop ways to describe things is not just about this particular thing you're doing right now, but a way to be able to talk about how you feel, what you've noticed about your colleagues, all of those things, because people tend to, I think, fall back on, on the easiest ways to express themselves. I totally agree. All right. So we have to wrap up, unfortunately. So I'm going to ask you a couple of final questions quickly just to get us to the end. So the first is, if there's a team who's thinking about doing this, right? If there's a manager who's listening, who's like, oh, this is, this sounds interesting, but you know, of course they should reach out to you. But if they can't, if they don't have a budget for it or whatever, and they want to try something like this on their own, do you have any tips or recommendations for how they go about it? Hmm. I think, okay, this is a really funny example, but my, I studied Ikebana with a fabulous teacher and she had us do something with Play-Doh. It was about, you know, some celebration of Chinese New Year and you had to make little things. They usually use rice bowls. But anyway, just I swear, just playing with Play-Doh, it was so like, oh, my God, this is so much fun. And, you know, it, it it's something really easy. I mean, in my case, I say, you know, go to Trader Joe's, buy a few bunches of flowers, uh, get a jelly jar and put them in in different ways. And I always say there's only one rule. And the only one rule is no two stems should be the same length. And that will make you a beautiful bouquet. Like just, it just works and change the water. So they, so that they don't, (laughs) those two things are the only rules and anybody can do that. There's also lots of videos online. I mean, I have a few videos online, but I think, you know, if you just went to, you know, flower design, there's one zillion people who have different ways to do it. So that's another way because it doesn't have to be expensive. And if somebody facilitates, I think it's all about the facilitation. And I mean, that is the part that I know I love to do because when I was running a staff, facilitating meetings, figuring out how to do activities that everyone enjoyed. That was like, that was a really fun part of my job. And, you know, asking people what they'd like to do is a good way to start. All right. And to close us out here, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic? The example that I can give is a dear friend of mine who started in the dance world, who is now running Helen Keller International, which has staff members in 24 countries. And I have watched her over many years develop her skills as an extraordinary manager. We talk about it a lot. And I think it's about her paying attention to detail and being able to give people really, really solid feedback and hearing their concerns without judging them. Even if she knows in her bones that whatever they're doing is not exactly the right way, she still takes the time to do that and responds to them in a, I would say, in a kind but clear and setting expectations. I would say that the managing, uh, the thing that I have watched people who are really good managers do is manage expectations. Amazing. And where can people learn more about you, Elise, and keep up with your work? 
So two really easy ways. The website is www.fleurelisebkln for Brooklyn, dot com. And my Instagram tag is a good place to see photos and sometimes videos and get some insight. And that is at Fleur underscore Elise underscore BKLN. And yet from the website, people can contact me. They can join my mailing list. I don't send things out very often. I just don't want to bombard people. But when there's something coming up, I'm also teaching at the Brooklyn uh, Botanic Gardens from time to time. And happily, my classes are selling out, but there's going to be new spring and summer classes. All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It was really fun to get to hear about your experience as a manager in all these different contexts and this incredible new program of floral design as team building. So thank you. Thank you, Mamie. Lovely, lovely, lovely to talk. And I really appreciate how you condense what I've said into some really great takeaways. I appreciate that very much. Well, thank you. Elise has offered a discount to the first three members who book a floral design team building activity with her. This guest bonus is available to members of the Modern Manager community at the Sprout level or above. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. Also, if you aren't following me on Instagram, check out my feed at MamieKS. I share tips, ideas, and some personal posts, and I'm planning to do a book giveaway to only my Instagram followers, so you'll want to hit that follow button so you won't miss it. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.